You are now listening to the Power Hour. Brought to you by Outside the Culture. I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. I said she's going to be calling. Whitney, Whitney, Whitney. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Lord. Have I waited for this day? Have you? Well, yes, I have. Haven't you? Whitney. Yes, dear. Absolutely. I know it. Do you regret Diane Sawyer interview? No. Why should I? Well, it didn't exactly show you in the best light. You don't think so? Well, you know, Wendy, you don't show yourself in the best light. People still listen to you. Yeah, but I'm on the radio every day. Yeah, we, see, we, don't, we just don't get to see your face, but they should know what you look like. I understand that, uh, Whitney. Perhaps one day I will have a TV show, but in terms of what I do, yeah. when I'm not shown in the best light, I guess one of the best things that I love about my career is, is that there's always tomorrow to come back. And, see, and I love about my career because uh-huh. my music speaks for itself. Yeah, well, it does. So, Whitney, as, as far as you stand with drug use, is there drug use going on at this present time? Who are you talking to? To you, Whitney. You. No, you're not talking to me. I'm a mother. Only my mother has privy to that information. You talk to your child about that. Don't ask me no questions like I'm a child. You talk to your baby about her, what, what she gonna be uh, confronting or what she gotta deal with. And, uh, and Don't and, ask me like I'm a child because I'm not a child, Wendy. My child is a little boy and I will talk to him yeah, about that shit. Don't talk to me about that shit. But listen, Whitney, I, right, I, I will talk to my son about drugs because I have Don't been me, where the world the speculates thing. where you Don't are, me, which is uh, I was a full-blown cocaine addict. So I, I, I'm not mine. Move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, who the hell are you get your information from? Who's calling you and telling you? Um, well, I got this story from a gossip named Steve Hurst. You ever hear of him? No. Well, like you said, gossip, yeah. How is Bobby Christina doing? Growing and being a beautiful young lady that God sent her here to be. Yeah, she's nine now, right? Yes, yeah, she is. Mm. When your husband was um, incarcerated for those few days, what types of things do you tell her concerning, like, do you say, like, daddy's away visiting Boston? Or? I don't really talk to her. Retard, she was she's a spectation. She's a child who has intelligence. Okay. My child is smart. No, what I talk to her, shut your mouth. I talk to her like she's an intelligent human being, okay? And I give her just as much as she can handle for a nine year old because I'm her mother, okay? And that's how we deal with it. Never mind what I told her, but she know the deal. You're very defensive, Whitney. I have to be, Wendy. You talk about me every day. Well, Whitney. So when it's just you and Bobby Christina in the house, the three of you, um, who who is part of the staff of your house who's always there as well, you know, besides Jesus. You know what, Whitney? You are, baby. You are something. <laughs> I've been waiting to talk to you, Wendy. I love you, darling. <laughs> Mariah Carey was on the show and said that she loves you more than ever. I love that little lamb chop. She denied her breast implants. Do you deny yours? Ah, no. See, that, they sit nice. They're very well proportioned with you. It's just that at one point when you lost so much weight, though, they did look like two baseballs on a stick. Yeah, they look really weird. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm sure that when you look at yourself in the mirror, you have some reservations about your looks, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I know how you look. Uh, <laughs> what? 
would you say the biggest issue is in you all's marriage? You people. You people like a run your damn mouth. Mm hmm Yeah. Hmm. Mm. If you could if you could take back anything that you told Diane Sawyer, what would it be? If I could if I could say something that I didn't say, okay, I wouldn't come to anybody to got a problem with you to kiss my and I love you, but I don't live for you. I don't live for you. You talk about me. You you, you call me out my name. You, you 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 make my mother call me and ask me questions. You make my father sick. You make my brother sick. You make my childhood. You don't talk about me like you know me. You ain't gonna say you never see me in your damn life. But you talk about me. That's not right. There's a limit to what you can say. And if I was really like that back in the day in North, I'd meet you outside. I'd meet you outside. But I'm a lady and I have a class. But I'll talk to you, Wendy, because I love you. Because you're a fan. You know it. God, Whitney. Poor baby. You are a real trip. I've been around the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, how will you be spending Valentine's Day? With my husband. I bet you all have wild circus sex, don't you? Oh, my God. Wendy, don't make me meet you outside. Well, Whitney, I want to thank you. Thank you, Wendy. For giving me this moment and not hanging up the phone. No, I wouldn't do that to you, baby. And I'm being talk through. And being as sassy as you want to be. <laughs> ah, Wendy, I love you because you support me and um, you've been you've been good to me on the radio. However, you know, watch what you say, baby girl. But Whitney, watch what you do. And if I know it's not, you don't even know what I do. Like you said, you never met me. You don't know me. You ain't been in my house. You don't live with me. You don't sleep with me. You don't do shit with me. But talk about me. So watch what you say. That's all, baby girl. That's all I'm asking you is watch what the f you say. But Whitney, what, baby? I would love to have you come in the studio. Okay, love. Don't we'll make a date. You call my machine. I'll call yours. <laughs> Child, the part that took me out was when Whitney said, no, when Whitney asked Whitney, who's on your permanent staff? Jesus. <laughs> because what? Why are you asking? Like, like, bitch, why are you asking who the fuck is in my house that I pay for? The only person that you need to worry about that's not there is you. Child. And then had the nerve to say, Whitney said, don't make me meet you outside, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> She Stop said, I know, I know you just have great, just wild circus sex. She said, don't make me, don't make me meet you outside, Wendy. <laughs> and I feel that prophetically because don't make me. Like, stop playing with me. Yo. Like, I like you. She said, hey, yee, 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 yee. <laughs> Yo, that part with, yo, Wendy was fucked up. She said, you know, because it, at one point you got so skinny, it just looked like two baseballs on a stick. She said, well, Wendy, I know you've had some reservations about yourself as well when you look at the mirror, because we've all seen what you look like. <laughs> Wendy said, said I've seen you. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's because I've seen you. <laughs> Wendy said, what? <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> okay, shout out to Whitney Houston. Okay, if yes. I could muster up. Let me tell you something. One thing about the older women in our community, in the music, they they know how to give some motherfucking sass. They know. Let me say, if y'all don't know motherfucking Whitney Houston, Whitney Elizabeth Ann Martin Houston was from Newark, New Jersey. Okay? If y'all know anything, you know what Newark gives. And Wendy was not that far, okay? Because I will pull up. You're not Child. that far from me. So yeah, shout out to them. They was, y'all, so don't one day play. When I get my own show... <laughs> 
Yeah, she did. I will. <laughs> all these years later, Whitney, oh, give it up. Uh, oh my God, rest in people. peace, Whitney. That was just like an edited version of that infamous interview. But there was one point where Whitney was just like talking about things in the future, like writing a book about her life. And she talked about how she would never commit suicide and all these different things. And I don't know. It was sad. It was sad because I just hate that she's not here. And I don't know. It just reminds me of like, damn, it's like it's so many like black people that we had with us that when we were kids that are not here today. Like, and, like you look at all these other communities and shit, Betty white made it to damn near a hundred okay that's so yeah here. like honestly like when i think about like the type of woman i want to be i want to be like i want to be sassy like whitney i ain't gonna lie like don't make me pull up okay and like it was so crazy because whitney could go from that and two seconds later be like you know, give all of that, like turn it on instantly. Like the talent, even when she got off into them, into them cigarette years, even when she got off the into them cigarette years, the vocals was they might have been a little perfect. smoky, but it was still there. If he oh. makes you feel like a million dollar bill, say, ah, ah, okay, with me, Shout take off my shoes and relax my feet, jump in the kitchen, grab a bite to eat. Hey, it's been one of those crazy weeks and I got to do something for me. Yes, Whitney. Oh, Whitney. Mm, rest I in love peace, the identity baby. that um, black women, especially black men, too, had outside of their music. Like they still have yes. lives, they were still living. And I'm yes. not saying that people today don't do it. I just feel like they were living differently back then. Like they mm. lived like they were like, but it ain't none of your business. I came here to sing. Yeah. I ain't come here to expose my motherfucking, you know, and I just, I feel like that's how Beyonce talks about it. Like Beyonce talks about like, I'm an entertainer, but that does not mean that you are open to all aspects of my life. And I understand that. And I feel like that's how mm-hmm. the Whitney's have felt. And that's how the Aretha Franklin's have felt. Like I came here to sing for y'all. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'm still Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not and- a life. Yeah, and like, and like, I mean, but to be honest, like, I feel like the the um, like the Beyonces and going forward are deaf. And I honestly, I feel like Beyonce set the tone because a lot of times before Beyonce, even with Aretha, Whitney, all of them, as sassy as they were, as quick as they were with the comebacks, like it was a lot of times where that the tabloids and the, all that shit was really eating into their lives. And Whitney talks about that in that interview too. She talks about how people be running up in the trees in her backyard and doing all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy shit. And like, you know, it's sad to think about like all the pressure in the ad added pressure that like you know just all the drama and gossip of these people that don't even know you they just because Pete I know this for my own my people will just will just take something and just go with create a whole story and narrative that don't have shit without you you know more right they created a whole series about your life and people will believe it and people will believe that with no with no evidence like people would really believe it. and it's so crazy because it's like you're stuck between like i'm gonna just let them say whatever they're gonna say you know i'm I'm not gonna let it disturb my peace and then uh like standing by watching somebody assassinate your goddamn character mm. 
So it's like you kind of stuck between this rock and this hard place because it's like, I don't want to feed the, you know, I don't want to feed the bull. But if I don't feed the bull, everybody's going to believe what the bull is saying about me. Mm. And I don't know if I want people believing stuff that's not true about me that could affect me, my family's image, my brand. Like, it's just so much on the line. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Lord Jesus. Lord, Lord, Lord. And you got the Wendy <laughs> Williams shout. Wendy fucking will and, and you know what's funny oh, well, I'm gonna talk about T.S. Madison later shout out to her but Madison be saying on her show all the time because you know back when Madison started doing her show she was more so in like the you know sort of like the when she was doing especially when she was doing the show with Kaya you know it was very mm-hmm. messy and jokes and very much of like a Wendy Williams nature mm-hmm. and she always talks about how she transitioned out of that because like she saw what it does to people like it makes you a target like mm-hmm. even though people laugh with you at the same time they be laughing at you and mm-hmm. so yeah you see what happened to Wendy child it ate her up and that's crazy because I feel like when you decide to step into a light of such that you know dilemma whatever that you're doing I think you have to kind of like toughen up. And then it's like, Wendy, you could sit on this stage and you could talk about pulling everybody else's skeletons out the closet. But when your skeletons was coming out, but you were trying to shut that motherfucking closet. And I feel like that's when you should have sat standing in your truth and you should have like put yourself on the chopping block like you have done others. Like you can't be hypocritical when this is the life that you chose. Mm. Oh, well, y'all. With that being said, welcome to Outside the Motherfucking Culture. What's poppin'? Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> you ain't like that? I had a flashback, y'all. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. Oh, you well, definitely did say I'm <laughs> Welcome to the motherfucking power hour. And I'm your host, Jordy. And this is Trez. I don't like that. I'm sorry. Run it back to a turbo. And I'm your host, Trez. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> what was that? Was giving too much energy. Oh, I was giving. I don't know. Game show host. <laughs> yeah, that was giving. Right, right. That was giving. Come on down. Come on down. Ooh. All right, y'all. So we are going to be talking about us today we yes. are going to be giving you a part two to our very first power hour episode that we recorded so this is going to be about us part two a deeper dive <laughs> um so before we get into that did you want to say give them any updates on what you have going on oh honestly y'all it's been it's been given new moon i mean wait hold on it's been given full moon it's been yeah. given retrograde <laughs> like Child, I've been going my family, just my family been my family. But I will say I have started reading All About Love by Bell Hooks. And it is really just when I tell you it is unlocking some doors, it is unlocking some doors. I cannot wait to start that book. I just finished reading um I fin- finally finished guys Asada of Shakur and autobiography. And I don't know why I was putting it off for so long, just finishing it up, but I'm so happy that I did because I feel like in the last couple of chapters is where she really talks about where she currently is as opposed to like, you know, throughout the book, she's like just running down like, you know, how she got to where she is. And like in the last couple of chapters, she just talks about like being in Cuba, you know, after getting sentenced and like why she decided to, you know, walk away from being a Black Panther and like Mm -hmm. where she was at. And I just feel like, 
as a young woman growing up, it's just good to understand that it's other people out there that have been through it and to hear someone as with the magnitude of Asada Shakur just talk about the imperfections um, that she has, the mistakes she's done made and just like how she just hones that and just continues to move forward and continue to, you know, fight for the struggle of revolution for black people, for third world country people, for, you know, all minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just beautiful to read. So I'm happy that I finished that up and I can't wait to tap into Bell Hooks because I've been wanting to talk about love. If you haven't known or you don't know me, everybody know I'm a romantic. So I just mm-hmm. can't wait to see how she talks about love in the different um, diasporas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am excited for you. Um, and y'all know once we get that child, once we read that, we we might be doing a good episode on that because whew, I told my friend it was one passage in this book that where Bell was talking about how care is an element of love, but care by itself is not love. And I was like, yo, I feel like that would set my household on fire. <laughs> I feel like that was set my house on fire, child. Child, get the wood. Mm. Mm. Well, um, before we get into things, we do just want to take a moment and acknowledge a black brethren. If y'all have not heard, um, this has been going on around on social media for a while. There's this illustration of a black fetus in utero. George, do you want to give them some more info about that? I feel like you know more. Um, I just know that like on Black Twitter, it just came about. Um, I had saw it on my timeline and I instantly like took the step back and like I had to retweet it because I had never seen a black ultrasound. Like, I know that sounds weird, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that felt like that because I saw the comments and I saw the retweets and I saw the likes and the numbers was high. But just to think that as a black person, a part of the black community that there's so many things that we haven't seen in our own skin tone. And mm-hmm. although we know when a baby is born, a baby comes out pretty much fear skin and you develop your, um, your color over time. It's just the thought that when you open up a medical book, ain't nobody in there really black. Like it's very seldom mm-hmm. that you see, you know, black figures. And it's just like, I know people are like, Oh, is that just a little thing? But representation matters. So like when I saw that, I instantly retweeted it. But then when I like did the little bit of research that I did and I saw that it was a um, actual black man that created that. I'm like, yes, like there is still so many lanes for black people because there's mm-hmm. so much stuff that black people have been denied that we don't even think about in hindsight. Yeah. And so the artist's name, Mr. eBay, Um, Mr. eBay is a medical illustrator, medical student um, who was born in Nigeria. Says that he also studied in Ukraine, which that is interesting. Um, He is 25, y'all. He was born in 96. He is 25 and he is making his way through the world. And so, yeah, shout out to him. Keep showing us some illustrations. Um, yes. Give us a black Grey's Anatomy. Like, there's like this medical book, Grey's Anatomy, back in the day that has all these like medical illustrations. I would love to see it done, just everybody in black. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And if y'all want to check out what we're referring to, if you haven't seen it, um, his Instagram is, I'm just going to spell it out because I don't want to butcher that either. Um, it's E B E R E Illustrate. Uh, which is I-L-L-U-S-T-R-A-T-E for the ones in the back. 
All right, y'all. Well, with that being said, we will be right back with a deeper dive. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are now listening to the Power Hour. Somebody say And we're back. All, all right, right, all right, all right. On a more serious note, I'm ready to get into these questions, child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who's gonna go first? Um, I feel like I'm always going first, but I'll go first because <laughs> <laughs> every time you said I'll go, um, I don't mind. I'll ask one of my questions. So one of my questions that I would, I guess, since we're starting off, I should use a heavy hitter. Hmm. Okay, since we've been talking about literature, I'll start off with this question. If you could choose one book mandatory for everyone in society to read, what book would it be? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. That's a mind fuck, isn't it? I really... Mm, I would say... And like it's obviously because like I just finished reading her. Um, I would say one of two books. I would both by Bell Hooks, of course. Um, I would say either Where We Stand, Class Matters, which was the book on class, um, or the book that I'm currently reading, All About Love. Um, and I honestly don't even know. And I would maybe say All About Love, just because it. It's like it sounds like it would be a book um about just like romanticism and just like relationships as far as like, you know, sort of like romantic relationships. But it's really about love in the sense of like, what is love? And so like she talks yeah. about the definition for love as being um, wanting to invest in the personal um, or spiritual growth of someone or of yourself. And so like, she just talks about how love looks when it's in communities and when it's in families and when it is in romantic relationships. And so like, I think we do just as a country. And she says this in the intro or the preface, one of those, um, she says that like our country is just in a place right now where like, and even more so now today where everything is just so divided, mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah, love is is really needed right now and love and under, and just the understanding that it means to like actually have love for someone and love for your neighbors and things like that. So I would maybe say that. <laughs> um, I haven't read that book, but I definitely feel the same way just because like, I know I talk about being a romantic, but I also think that a lot there's a lot of strength in loving someone and there's also a lot of vulnerability that it takes to love someone so you know because in society there are so many different definitions of love i think like breaking down how we love and what we consider love to be and because you know we have people who believe love they love someone and then there's abuse that's attached to that love and they think that that's the only way to love and there's so many different versions of love but there's also within that love power yes oh my god but that is exactly what she talks about is that like so many of us have this image in our minds of love that are tainted by exactly 
abuse and like she talks about how like parents will like beat their children and then be like I'm doing this because I love you exactly. or be like this hurts me more than it hurts you and right. like talks about how this distorts our images of love and like whew, yeah exactly because it's like the, your version of love as an individual comes from what has been passed down to you so no matter how we try to make it seem every situation that we walk into we bring who we are in that room so that means we bring our baggage we bring our our bloodline in that room like it's not just you in that room because you didn't just create the person that you are in front of you today you had Mm -hmm. help and i think when we are able to break down what love actually means and how to love people effectively and um supportively we ended up we end up finding out how to love ourselves and when you are able to love yourselves, every if everyone had self-love, I, I feel like personally the world would be a better place. So it's not just about loving someone else. It's about knowing how to love yourself so that you don't feel empty when people don't love you the way that you feel you need to be loved. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I would definitely recommend that book, even though I haven't read it. And I feel like based off what you told me about Bell Hooks and what I would like research myself, she just seems like a phenomenal writer. And I cannot wait to dive into that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another book um, I would recommend is the Asada Shakur book, because I think that by people reading and actually diving into a black woman who was a black revolutionary and seeing that one, she is human, just like us. Any one of us could decide that we want to take on the struggle of revolution and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be sunshine and roses, but it is a fight that our people need to embark on in order for us to live a sustainable, a more sustainable life in the, our future kids and um, family couldn't live a a more sustainable life as well. So you're not just fighting the fight for you, but you're fighting it for the next generation. Mm -hmm. And I I love that level of dedication. And I love that level of devotion to something that you may not see in your lifetime, but I'm doing this for the next one. You know what I mean? Because right Mm -hmm. now, like within society, there's a lot of selfishness and there's a lot of independency and out for self. And I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to reap the benefits of this. Why would I do this? But it's not always about you because if that was the case, our ancestors wouldn't have did what they did for us to reap the benefits that we're reaping today. So it's just like, you know, each one teach one in a way. Um, So I definitely would recommend that. And then for the non-black people that have these consumptions of black people, I would want them to read that so they could see the damage that their predecessors has placed on this group of people that they feel like is making up all the shit up in their heads because there's a lot of people that think like, okay, y'all dragging slavery was so long ago, but it's just like slavery is, has never left. Mm. Game has changed or, you know, the version of what you see, you know, may have changed, but the tactics and the shit that has been developed for over 400, 500, 600, 700 years those tactics are still put into place and because they are still put into place black people are still being hurt and set at a disadvantage because of those same tactics so just because it isn't as blatantly as i'm burning a cross on your lawn does not mean it doesn't still exist um because even me like i feel like i'm a revolutionary and even reading this book i felt like there's things that i could be doing better there's a better outlook that i could have not only on being black and you know supporting black people but supporting other minorities and being there for them and and showcasing it so um i would definitely recommend that book that you're reading and that i'll be reading soon and then this asada shakur book what's Hmm. your question my next question is gonna be what 
three. No, I'm going to say, what are the things in your home that are the most you? Ooh, most me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> oh my, are like furniture wise? Just anything. Like, what are the your like? I don't know. What are the things in your home that are you? <laughs> like, I don't know. Do okay. you have a favorite piece of furniture? <laughs> um, my first thing I would say is that it so me is my sneaker collection. Um, mm. I don't know. I've been wearing sneakers my whole entire life. I love my sneakers. I love like making sure my sneakers are clean, put away nicely. Um, I love a good shoe. I'm just I'm good for a good accessory. So like my accessories, I would say, but mainly my shoes because I feel like I've grown with my shoe collection. Like it has grown over time, and as I grow and as I change my shoes, the type of shoes that I like that also changes. So I would say that. Secondly, I would say my oil diffuser like i love having yeah. a diffuser like especially like just mixing different um essential oils just to like calm my mind and just like provide that type of relief calming and soothing ability like i love love that like that's something i'm taking with me no matter where i go I'm, i want to have an oil diffuser around me um i love that and lastly i would say my makeup case. I know that sounds crazy, but like, you know, like I'm really into beauty, um, into skincare. That's why I'm studying to be an esthetician. I feel like that's something that's going to be with me for a long time, like trying out different black owned makeups and trying out different looks and, you know, trying to bring visions to life. So those will be the three options for me. What about you? Mm. Um, the things in my home that are the most me, I would say my altar space. <laughs> um, I don't know when I started like keeping a little altar. I think it was like after I moved back from New York. Oh my gosh. But yeah, I love having just like a little altar space just to like set up some candles and, you know, just like a place for some incense, burn some oils, some sage. Um, I have one of those like little, like I always feel like so like witchy and like, you know, like, ooh, but like I have like one of those little, um, it's like a candle plate. You know what I'm talking about? Like just like a little saucer with like the little three prongs on the bottom that you that you sit your candles on top of. But like it's oh, black. Yeah. yeah. And so like I've been using that for like years as like just like a little miniature altar in itself. But like just depending on where I've been living, like right now I have like just like a little mini space set up like that. And I'll put like a candle on it um, or burn some oil sometimes. Um, what else is me? I like to put things for my friends on there too. Um, like on my last full altar setup that I had, I had like some um, some liquor that one of my friends brought me from the DR. Um, I had like my crystals that I got from Cali. Um, just like different things. But anyways, ooh, it's making me think about the next altar that I want mm, in the next stage of life. But anyways, um, something else that is me. Hmm. I feel like there's always going to be, like, if it's me, there's always going to be, there's always going to be a sec, like an area where like, there's something that I'm working on and it might not be like the same stuff every time. <laughs> like, I feel like one day you're going to come in and like in the corner, like it might be some candle making shit, you know, next month you might come in, I might be done started making soaps and shit. The week after that, I might be doing cheesecakes. You know, there's always going to be a, just a corner where, like, you're just going to be able to be like, okay, so that's 
Okay, that nigga done found something else. He, he into something else now. <laughs> John loved to experiment and dabble in. You know, you never know where life will take you. So I like to try different things. Um, if I could pick one more thing. Mm, mm, I don't know. I feel like there's always going to be an electronic. Like there's always going to be like a computer or like a, you know, something. I don't know. Oh, I know. There is always going to be a colored light bulb. I love those light bulbs that change colors. Yes, I have child at my, I have three of them. I'm only using one right now because, you know, I'm in a transitional phase. But um, at my last place, child, I had bought one and I was like, well, I like this. And so I just bought three in my little ass room. In my little ass, well, it wasn't little. I had a nice bedroom back then. But in my bedroom, I literally, I had a lamp on the floor, a lamp on my side table, and then a lamp behind my TV. So it was kind of like three different, like a triangle and like on the app they have like all these different little lighting scenes so child i would i would come from home home from work and be like hmm i feel like chinatown today or ooh, let's do florida keys or whatever the fuck the names of those shits were but yeah i love a colored light bulb and yes i did say colored because huh i really do and you know what's crazy what i thought you was gonna say what (laughs) child please don't take this the wrong way child's gonna thought you were gonna say a cast iron <laughs> I said he ain't gonna say the cast down no I got a cast iron skillet in my room like a slave <laughs> no I didn't not even that because you said in your house so like Ooh, oh I didn't think like people just talk about your personal space I'm just like and I'm, let me just clear this up for the people that's listening like I'm absolutely not saying that he's a slave. What I'm saying is, you gotta clear that type of shit up, okay? We saw. Like we Monique saw, and Katie. Exactly. We saw Potomac. But no, like, Trez is always trying out a motherfucking dish. Every time Damn. I call this man, I'm, I'm pretty sure you was using a cast iron this morning when you was frying that bacon. Like, yes, I did used to use a cast iron at my last place. I need to get me a new one. Cast iron. Like, I love a good cast iron. It's a me very too. good heat conductor. Especially when you fry fish. Ooh. I actually used a cast iron when I made some um, stuffed shells. I put it right mm. in the cast iron, put it right in the oven. Right in the oven, yes. You ain't got to worry about nothing. But one thing about it, that shit does conduct heat. So please do not touch that because you will lose an arm. Mm. But it's just like, you know, I when I think about you and like think about your homebody experience, I definitely think about you cooking, you baking, you know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> that that's like true. a big thing for you. Like you love food. I love food. I think we connect on that a lot. But like you're always trying new dish and like you're always inspiring me. Like, damn, let me get in the kitchen and try something. Cause you always trying some shit from scratch at that. Like I really see you as a cooker. That is true. I do be cooking, child. I be trying. But I definitely see you with a with an electronic every time because you always <laughs> do electronics too. You're very curious and like you're always researching and like, oh, let me try this out, see if I like this. Like you're very good with that. Ciao. Mm. Okay, so what's the next one? It's getting good. Okay, I mm. like stuff. Okay, okay. Um, for me, ooh, that ain't my question. Okay, so for me. Okay. Mm. If you had to teach something, what would you teach? Mm. I think I know this a little bit, but I want to see if the answer has changed. Mm. Oh my God. I don't know. 
if I had to teach something, what would I teach? Ooh, I might have to think on that one. Okay, and give us your answer. Let me think. Professor. Okay, well, I mean, I really don't know. I think because, okay, obviously, I feel like I would say astrology and like maybe I would teach astrology, but like I'm just thinking, I'm really thinking about like what does the world need? Like, what are like, like, what is like, I would just, I would love to just have like a. I would love to just have like a classroom and maybe it's just like an open classroom. Mm-hmm. You know what? I would love to be like a guidance counselor and just give lectures on life. Like, I love <laughs> you that. know, I love that. Like just different subjects, like especially just, you know, especially just when different things are going on, just, you know, definitely bring in the facts and like try to bring in the facts and the history of whatever the topic is, but also just have like a space where we can really get down and discuss these questions like you were Jordy was telling me earlier about a clubhouse room that she was in where they were talking about the LGBTQ community child and why do the why does the and they were primarily black is that correct the people in the room it was it was predominantly black absolutely okay yeah and so like you know like different things like that and just like hearing like the different questions and like the different things that they were talking about it's like I do want to, I wish we just had like an open space where we could really just talk. So maybe that's what I would say, child. I would be, I would, my class would be a guidance counseling class where we're going to be talking about life. You we might do a, an astrology that. lesson every now and then, but we're going to be talking about life. That reminds it would be the power hour. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of like uh, the miseducation of Lauren Hill. And like mm-hmm. yes, oh like that group discussion. I would love. Yes, that. the kids need that, man. You want me and Trez to come on Clubhouse and open up some rooms? We can have some dialect. Let us know. Honestly, we, everybody hey, needs hey, it. The kids, the hey, teens, the adults, everybody. Yeah, like I love stuff like that. I love open dialogue and you know being able to get. That's why I think I fell in love with Clubhouse so hard because you are able to, even though it's some very ignorant shit that people say, but you are able to listen and see what, because that's like a, a survey in a sense. Like, this is a random pool of people. You're getting their opinion on certain things and it's just like really showing you like, because every one person in that room represents a thought process of somebody within society. Mm-hmm. So I definitely love that concept. For me, if I had to teach anything it would be something that dwells in the realm of empowering black women or giving black women a voice to talk about their grievances and what they're going mm. through and they're having them a voice while I mute everybody else motherfucking mic so nobody mm. can interrupt them and they can get their shit off and say how they really feel and we can have intellectual conversations so that to kind of give peace to black women and to shed light on what they feel and how they feel because I don't mm-hmm. feel like all the time black women are heard um, and I feel like me, because sometimes I can be a little bit more, I don't want to say aggressive. I can be a little bit more assertive. That's a better word. I can be a little bit more assertive. So like people will, you know, be quiet when I speak because I will demand that from them. And every black woman doesn't have that within them to kind of like control that or they'll brush it off. So if I could provide them a space, like like the space you were talking about that we were talking about, but for black women to talk about it in front of black men, in front of um, other, you know, groups of races and like for us to actually be heard and come to some resolution and get some type of 
get some type of dialogue going so we can start, you know, hearing each other out. It would be something on that realm. That would make me really happy. Mm. It's your turn. What you got for me? Well, describe one or two significant life events that helped shape you into who you are today. Your Honor, can you read the question again? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Describe one or two significant life events that help shape you into who you are today. Wow. Um, <laughs> not to be negative, Nancy Chow. Um, I mean, there's positive situations that do shape you and don't get me wrong. They're, they're awesome. Yay. But I feel like for with me and my life, it's usually the negative situations that have shaped me a little bit more and help me help me adapt to life a little bit more. So one of the first things I know off the bat that has shaped me into the person I am today is when I was a young girl, about in the third grade, um, I watched my father get taken to prison. Um, so like that definitely like made me see like life in a different way. Like they, you know, the door was kicked down. I was getting ready for school. Like my father was on the couch with handcuffs. They were going plunging through our apartment. They had on like fucking army gear. It was like real militant vibes. They had like it was like a SWAT team type thing. So like seeing something like that in the third grade and then like seeing your father in the newspaper and going to school and kids telling you, Oh, your father left you because he doesn't love you. And you know, not, not understanding that world. And then like having adults around you that don't really tell you too much because you're a kid. So you don't really know what's going on. And just like, that's definitely like a frazzle moment for me. So that definitely changed a lot for me because all of my siblings are on my father's side so us going from like spending so much time together to like only being able to see each other when we feel like going over there because there's like no father figure there to kind of like keep us together and like going from talking to your father like almost all the time to like you know being able to say oh i'm asleep i don't want to talk right now and like it just changes you as a kid so um you know that definitely is one event that like made me see life differently um and then another event i would say another event that changed me was just moving out of new york and like moving to dallas like that was another very big milestone that made me see the world differently like going up in a place like new york like i think before i moved to dallas i've only traveled out of new york possibly like once or twice like i hadn't traveled out of new york much so like when i moved to dallas and i saw that there was like a whole nother way of life like there was a whole nother way of being not saying that you don't know that when you're in your hometown but of course, when you live somewhere, you feel like this is the only way like life is going to be. Like I've I've lived here my whole entire life. This is the way the world works. This is the way my world works. And then being taken out of that environment and being put into a different environment and being like, no, like you don't have to be like this. You don't have to think like this. You don't have to spend your money on this. Like you can literally do what you want to do. And that's one of the things I love so much about Dallas because not saying that I felt like I had to try hard in New York. But I did feel like New York requires a different version of me. And in Dallas, I don't feel like there's really a version of me that is required at all. So I can be whoever the fuck I want to be. So I would say those are the two life events that really like shaped me. What about you? Ooh, okay. Um, I would say, okay, so I would say one significant moment was definitely moving to New York, going to college. It was just, it was like a confirmation of all of these different things because growing up, 
it's like you said like i think some people do just like sort of go with what they have you know what's with what's in front of them Mm -hmm. but sometimes i feel like we do have like in the back of our minds like this okay now i know it's it's somewhere that somebody is doing shit just a little bit differently and it's working yeah and so like when i like moved it and like lived just living in new york and like it was just, it felt like a confirmation of like all of these different thoughts that I had about the world and just about how things worked. Now, granted, I ain't handle everything, you know, <laughs> I, did, I, there, I, I was young, you know, mistakes were made. I didn't have all of the knowledge and, and processes and things that I have today. Um, for example, in Bell Hooks' book on Clash Child, it was a lot of, a lot of, powerful literature in that book that I wish I had had back then just on knowing how to talk about class and understanding that sort of thing because that was really what I was experiencing among all else what I was experiencing was being in a different class than the one that I was most familiar with um yeah and so that's an interesting conversation that hopefully we'll get into when we talk about college um anything there are other moments there are definitely other moments um but I feel like that's the one that I've been thinking about lately just because like I just finished college like finally like after I took a break to try and figure out what the fuck was going on in my life like you know I ended up going back and finishing I would say maybe that's another significant moment because like after I graduated I just had like all of these thoughts of like just the journey because it was really like what is for everyone a four year you know for most people a four year journey was like almost like a seven year journey <laughs> and so yeah it was just interesting to just think about because seven years is a long time child that is a long time especially when you only get about 60 70 good years seven years is a long time and so yeah um after I graduated just thinking about that just made me really want to pull up my boots for this next part of life because I'm finna put some boots and some asses okay and like people's asses but just like I want to put my boot into the ass of life like I want to put my boot into the reins and I want to ride that horse all of that sounded wild but y'all know what I mean I'm putting the bullets in the shotgun, baby. I want my horse to be a black stallion. Exactly. Here, and I want to get on that horse. I feel like I already got on that horse one day, and I fell off. And but I want to mm. get on that horse, and I want to be like, "Kitty up, let's go, we out of here." Exactly. Like they do in those Western <laughs> movies. When I graduated from high school, I kind of felt the same way. I'm like, I used to have dreams when I was in high school that like I would never graduate. And like mm. a couple of like I would say like within the last couple of weeks, I had another dream of me being back in high school. And like <laughs> I was in high school and Z was there and my ex from high school was there and like my old friends from high school that I don't even talk to no more were there. And then my great grandma was there. She was like the um like she mm. was like not the principal, but she worked in the office. And I was I had a whole conversation mm. I gave my grandmother my grandma passed away guys i gave my grandmother a hug i was talking to her and like she was right there at school and then like everybody went off to class and i'm in the hallways like but i'm done like where i go like where i'm supposed to go when everybody's first day of school everybody's coming to school looking all dressed dapper and i'm cute too but everybody goes off to their class and i'm like Mm. like i'm looking for my classroom and i can't find it i'm just like but i already have my diploma so like am i just gonna go here because everybody else is going like why am i still here and then i woke Mm. up 
And it's just like, it's just like, I feel like that was a full circle moment because it was really time where I would jump out of my bed. Like, I'm not going to be able to graduate. Like, I'm not going to get to that point where I walk that stage and to have a dream where I'm, I've completed that chapter. It was, it was definitely weird. It's my question. Yeah. Okay. When you are 80 years old, what do you think will matter the most? Oh, Lord. Keeping my blood pressure down. That's going to be very important. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, I really mean, and honestly, because stress can really like eat away at your life. And I think there's another reason why black people be dying so young and shit. Because like, shit, man, life is stressful, especially if you're black. And the black life expectancy rate is so low compared to everybody else. So, yeah, and by keeping my blood pressure down, I really mean, like, hopefully by 80, I have crafted a life that has really minimized the amount of stress that I have to endure just to live. I like that. I like that. I just, but I just feel like <laughs> when, you, when you're young, you're like, damn, like, black people don't be living long. And then when you get older and you start to realize and, like, start to picking apart how you know society runs and what black people face and it's just be like well damn it's all starting to make sense now i'm telling you because like this morning when i was listening to whitney houston like talking mm-hmm. i was just thinking and i was like yo like we hear about like you know black people's lives being like it just it hit me once i realized like chadwick's gone whitney's gone michael's gone um, um who was um um luther's gone so many crazily talented black people beautiful people are gone and that's when it hit me that like they and like i can watch i bought you know me i'll be watching shit all day long and so i'll be seeing like the same actors actresses over and over and like to see like these white women white men that have had these careers like literally since they were teenagers and now they have gray hair like naturally growing out of their head not put on them by costume but literally coming out of their scalp it's crazy it's crazy. It's mind blowing. It's like, and then it's just like when I was growing up, the people that gave me the music to keep me calm ain't here. And like, it's like, the, and it's the, it's the music. It's the, it's the actors and actresses. It's the mm-hmm. artists, the painters, like yeah. literally just the black people all across the creative, just across politicians, like, <laughs> oh, Lord, 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 Lord. Hmm. It wasn't supposed to be like this, I swear. They ain't tell me it was going to be like this. Mm. <sighs> okay, sorry. Not to get too down. No, but. I know, right? Okay, see? Stressing ourselves out. <laughs> <laughs> Real, man. Um, what about you? What do you want to... What do you think you'll be worried about when you're 80? I think when I'm 80, I'm going to think about what have I done? Like, what is the quality of life that I've lived? Like, what is the, mm. like, what is the footprint that I've left? Like, have I done for the community? Have I done everything I can for our community? Have I done everything um, I can for myself? Have I done everything I can, you know, for my family to push them forward? Like, I think those are the things that, you know, I will think about the most. And not, And it's not even like in a monetary aspect. It's just like, have I done everything to make my family's life easier? Like, like what you're saying, but just like in a greater sense, like a community, like being able to say like, 
I served my community. I I, I did what I what, what I I took what I had and I made more of it and I put it back into my community and I I sat with kids and I. I sat with old folks and I, I just I diversified and I, indul- I immensely indulged my life in blackness and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? And like progressing it and struggling with it and revolutionizing with it. I think that's like the thing that I would think about the matter the most. Like the amount of money that I have at 80, it's cool. Like if I got money, but if I've taken that money and I've invested it back into my community time and time again, and I've been able to send kids to school or skin send them to college or create programs where kids learn about financial literacy or do things that will like really impact my community when I'm gone. I think that's the thing that I think about. Mm. Okay. Um, oh my gosh, I can't believe we're already getting like we're so close to the end. We got maybe what one more question? It's on you because I did three and you only did two, I think. Oh, okay. But nobody comes. Um, no. Let's see. Okay, let me let's do a good one. What bridges do you not regret burning? Ah! Um, all of them. <laughs> all the motherfucking okay. no, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Let me not get my Ari bag right now. I ain't trying to get canceled. Um, um, I really don't. I mean, I really feel like that, though. Like, not even in a rude sense. I just, I don't feel regretful about anything. Um, do I think there's things I could have done differently? Absolutely. Do I think that there's things that are people I could have treated better? Absolutely. But by me treating people the way I treated them, not saying that it was right, but by me doing the things that I've done and it not and me not liking the fact that I can't take it away or redo it and having to like charge it to the game in a sense, like you got to live with the fact that you did this person like that and they didn't deserve that. And like it's something about having to live with the choices that we make that make the choices we make so important to us that we make better ones in the future. So it's like. I can't have the good without the bad. Like you can't smile without the sadness. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't regret it. If there was things I could do again, of course I would do them differently because I have learned and I have grown and I would, I'm not, I would be a fool to make the same mistake again, but the mistake is made and I can live with that. And I apologize for what I've done, but I don't, I don't got no um, regrets. Mm. I'll say I kind of feel the same way as far as like, I mean, it's life. Like, mistakes happen. There are some things you wish you could do differently. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I don't know. I ain't never done nothing crazy to nobody. Like, I done had some crazy shit then you, happen, but child, I just... You never, like, made a choice that, like, it may hurt someone, but it was good for you? Well, let me talk about the question. So let me... <laughs> my I'm trying to give you some day. Because I, I'm, I, and I haven't, because I've learned that people can change. And so as I've gotten older, I try not to be a bridge burner, especially if no one's really done anything crazy, because like, you know, people can always develop and grow. But there is one bridge that if I had to come across it in the past, the present or the future, if I got to come across it a thousand years from now in another life, I hope I take a, a I hope I take a, I don't want fuck, fuck a gasoline tank. Fuck, you know, them little red hand handheld shits that's not enough gas for me i need one of them motherfucking 18 wheelers to back i need somebody to back that bitch up on the bridge i need a fucking sledgehammer to knock the fucking nozzle off that bitch and i need the gasoline to just flow over this bridge that i'm gonna tell you about (laughs) this is gonna be about the time i work for this lady named trish 
I had got put onto this lady by one of my close friends that I had worked with when I was working back at Macy's. Mm-hmm. Our place, our department at Macy's had shut down. And so she had been working for this lady and she hit me on. She was like, you know, she's looking for somebody to do media, different, um, you know, web design things. And she was like, I know you're good at that. So why don't you come and meet her? I met her. I should have known from the first meeting. She chose to interview me while she was firing someone. Oh, red flag. Exactly. And I didn't, these are shits that I did not realize at the time. And so like, and I only worked for this lady for maybe about six months. And when I tell you it was toxic, like the way that this lady was always cussing people out, fighting with people, always trying to, you know, get somebody back and make sure somebody's not doing something. And you always try. And, I, and she even told me later on after I had worked for her for a couple of weeks, she was like, yeah, I'm glad that you were there because I needed you as a witness. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> and, right. And like, I remember this one time she she would always do this shit where like she would, OK, I only need you for 30 minutes, 30, an hour max. And I would get there and she would have me there all evening, all night, like very toxic shit. And there was one time that I told her, I said, Trish, now look, now I got shit to do. I'm, mind you, I'm in school. I was in school also working another job because I always, bro, I always fuck with nobody. Say, yes, I had a scholarship, but bitch, my rent had to be paid by working. The scholarship was not paying my motherfucking rent. I was paying rent out of pocket. And so... Child, I said, now Trish, now I got, you know, I got lots of shit coming up. I got productions coming up. You know, it was a busy time. I said, now I will come and help you out, but it can only be for an hour maximum. She says, fine. I only need you for an hour. You need you such and such and such. Done. I said, okay. All right, Trish. I get there. I'm waiting in the lobby of her building for 30 minutes to even come up to where she's at because we used to work out of the office in her building. She had like a, you know, like a community space in her building. So we used to work out of there. <sighs> I'm sorry. I was on a phone call. I had a long distance phone call. Come on up. Okay, Trish, we only got about 30 minutes left. Child, she tells me, okay, so I want you, I need you to drop this off at UPS. And then I got some sample clothes that I need you to go pick up from such and such as some designer child. And then um, just one last day, I just need you to pick me up something for lunch, something for dinner. And I'm thinking, you know, okay, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm going to, I'm marking my time. So I'm going to just go on and give me, give me the car, give me all the things that I need so I can get this done. When I tell, when I asked for the materials that I needed to take care of all these things, you know, she told me, she said, well, what I want you to do is just, you know, take this to UPS first and then come back and then you can go do the other stuff. And then she wanted me to do each item separately. I said, well, Trish, that's going to, Exactly. I said, well, Trish, that's going to take way more than 30 minutes. And like the place, one of the places she was wanting me to go to was uptown. Like we're on 34th Street, but she wanted me to go further uptown. And I was just like, it's take you 30 minutes to get uptown. Hello. And so she was like, no, just run me, you know, it'll be real quick. And I was just like, mm, something is not like my, it just something was not feeling right about that night. I went to, I take her card. I take her packages. I go to UPS. Why am I back boxing up, having the shit boxed up at UPS? All right, sir, your total is going to be 14. I was like, okay, cool. Child, I retched in my pocket. I retched in my right pocket. I retched in my left pocket. I retched in my back pocket. I said, you know what? Can y'all open the box? Because I don't know where the card is. <laughs> you lost it? 
lost. I had lost the motherfucking debit card. <laughs> yeah, it was time. <laughs> but, and this was, by the, mind you, this UPS trip was like the second thing because I had got her food first because she was hungry. So I had used her card to buy the food, came back. And when I went and when I made it to UPS on foot, when I made it to UPS, like the card just wasn't there. And so like, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, and y'all, this lady and like, you know, I hate to call women crazy because, you know, all the stigmas. But no, uh, uh, this lady was disturbed. That's what I'll say. This lady was disturbed. Like I, she really needed to see a therapist for the way that she acts and treated people like disturbed. And so like I get back to her and I'm like, and I had called my mom. <laughs> Yo, you I had you got my point. mother. I'm like, mom, I know I'm not tripping. Yo, I said, mama, look, child, I lost this lady Democrat. I know it's finna be some shit. I just, I just, and that's, I, was like, I just caused to let you know, child, just in case some shit pop off. That's, hey, there you, you know. And so I go back up there, you know, I go up to the building, I go up to the floor. I said, Trish, did I happen to leave the debit card? Do you see it in, lying around anywhere? <laughs> you know how you, you can't really just come up with it right off the top. And so she's like, no, I don't have the debit card. You have the debit card. And right, I was like, mm, yeah, but I don't seem to have it. <laughs> I don't seem to have got to UPS and I didn't have it. And I was wondering, I was like, did I leave it here? I was like, maybe I was like, and she's like, are you telling me that you lost my card? And I was like, potentially. <laughs> I said, potentially, it's definitely possible that I may have lost that card. And so I like looked around for it for a few minutes and then like, I, just, I couldn't find the card. And then this lady starts going off, child. She was, you know what? I just, I don't understand how you could do something so incompetent. This is so beneath you. I said, excuse me. I said, well, now I know you're a little frustrated, but honestly, I feel like this wouldn't have happened if I had handled this the way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If I had handled this the way that I wanted to handle it. And she said, she said, are you talking back? She said, you know what? Why don't you just go home for the day? Um, I'm not going to pay you. I said, oh, whoa. I said, no, I'm going to be paid. I said, because I've been here for about like two hours at this point. It was only supposed to be a 30 minute thing. And so, yes, I definitely have to be paid. She said, you're not going to tell me what I'm going to do. I said, you know what? Oh no! How about you just cool off? <laughs> Let me give you a second. Let me get you something to drink because you're tripping. She said, and this is where things got really crazy. She said, and you know what? You probably stole my debit card. All right, bitch. Enough is enough. <laughs> I said, Not now I don't know who the fuck you think you're talking to. <laughs> That's what you said. Verbatim. I said, now I don't know who the fuck you think you're talking to. <laughs> one thing I will never have to do is steal I said Trish as many times as I have used your car your your business card as well as your personal credit card if I had wanted to pull a scam I would have done it by now child from there I just remember it was a bunch of cuss words and this that and the other and there, there just so happened to be another person that she had um, and it was a black man that she had, was interviewing <laughs> it was another black person that she had interviewed that day. and she, she told him she told the other nigga oh how about you just walk him out that black dude walked out I said look don't touch me. Don't touch me. Cause you know, you know me. I keep the taser. I keep. I always kept something on me. And I look. Now I wasn't gonna do anything crazy to Trish. I was definitely gonna cuss that bitch out because I had been waiting to cuss her out for a long time. 
well, not really a long time, just that specific moment, because that was just like all the shit that I had put up with from you and trying to be there and be compassionate. And then, bitch, you're going to have the nervous down motherfucking stall from you, bitch. Mm-mm. Yeah, and that's a bridge that I will never regret burning. If I see that bitch today, I will have to stop her. And Trish, is that you? And another thing, <laughs> I'm going to start right from where I left off. Wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> it be like, you and Trish already had a relationship. And you walking in here today, I don't know you. And you don't know her yet. Because you go, you might be in my same exactly. position in a couple of months. Exactly. <laughs> Watch. Exactly. <laughs> and like, at first, I remember, I was like, damn. I was like, maybe I should have handled it differently. Like, maybe I could have just like kept working there and like use the connections to work my way up and it's so crazy because like after reading bell hook's book on class like nah she deserved to have her ass cussed out <laughs> but that'd be the thing and i think like any rational person like like me too because whenever i whether i'm in the right or the wrong whenever i argue with somebody i always think like what could i have done differently and i think that's just what you do as a person if you're a rational person like could i avoided this situation mm. like, what i could have mm-hmm. I, what could i have done to avoid the situation and where it didn't even have to get there where could i you know put my chest moving mm-hmm. so i wouldn't lined up in this situation at all and i think anybody does that but sometimes i'd be like yeah i could do this but still you was gonna get your ass cussed the fuck out because i don't know who the fuck you think you're playing with and it's yeah, just like wild. I don't think there's anything wrong with cussing a motherfucker out now and then. Like I'm not saying put your hands on nobody. I'm not saying get violent. I'm not saying put your fingers in nobody's face. I would hate for you to get beat up like Candace. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, bitch, I'm not no motherfucking. I'm not no motherfucking button. Don't do that. Mm. Don't do that. Like that. Well, Trish, oh, I'm. I know I'm not the last person that uncussed your ass out. If you ever hear this, child, I hope you done got your shit together. What you think Trish doing right now? Well, last time I checked on her, she was being sued <laughs> for one point one million Ooh, copyright infringement. I wouldn't wish that on nobody. Mm-mm, that mm. ain't good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, like, I hope you wasn't stealing from no black people. I hope you wasn't stealing from no black people out here accusing black people for stealing. No, and this, I'm not even going to say what her her nationality was, but no, she was she was stealing from whites, and you know, white people don't play. You know, white people do not play. Mm. She and she, like T.S. Madison be saying I hope that she gets whatever is meant for her was she a vanilla she was she was one of the browns but I, I just I don't want to say which brown I'll say it later <laughs> wait yeah. hold on wait let me put it in the chat wait, let me, it wait <laughs> let me put it in the private chat the private okay well I'm I don't know. I feel like in that situation, shit. Sometimes people just gotta get cussed. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. <laughs> moving on. So yeah, moving right along, y'all. We are gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back with the media picks. Ah, I'm not Megan. Let me stop. <laughs> And we're back. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Um, so, do you want me to go first? <laughs> now you just you just running to go first. Now you absolutely can give the people um, get the people into it, child. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. Um, so for my media pick today, I'm going to be discussing the Asada Shakur autobiography. Um, 
It is titled Asada, an autobiography. Of course, it's by Asada Shakur. Um, the four words are by Angela Davis and Lennox S. Hines, who at that time was a black lawyer um, who had um, a group of lawyers that assisted with a lot of the Black Panther Party's um, cases that they had. Um, and they would work pro bono to assist them with the criminal charges that they were facing. So um, with this book, I actually just finished it up yesterday. So I just kind of wanted to highlight this book because I feel like, you know, me and this book were on a journey. This was gifted to me by somebody that is very dear to me. Um, and they wanted me to read this book. They thought it would be a good read for me. Um, and they also recommended another book about Black Revolution that I also love that I talked about before by Elaine Brown. Um, this Asada Shakur book was... It took a lot to get through just because, you know, she definitely talks in detail from her experience of what she's faced um, in America, you know, especially where I'm from. You know, she was living in New York majority of this book and just her talking about like the different challenges that she had with different people within the black community, but also not ones outside excuse me also ones outside the black community like with, you know, different white people and just trying to revolutionize black and whites and third world people as well um anyone that was a minority that you know was down to fight for the revolution of black people and to fight against racism and imperialism she was for that so just reading about her and what she faced and the allegations of her being the most wanted woman in america when there was clearly no evidence to support these charges but using the media um and using different outlets people you know white people were able to assassinate her character so when she went into these courtrooms and they would marginalize you know her access to you know different funds to be able to hire a lawyer or different funds to get like medical examiners and things of that nature like they pretty much had all the resources to make her or make everybody believe that she was guilty and gave her limited resources to prove that her innocence when there was no evidence involved like a lot of it was superficial a lot of it was made up a lot of it was fake and just to hear a black woman fighting against that and just still finding hope and still think about the greater picture and you know people being you know other innocent black people being strong along with her just for simply you know talking to her or being in her presence it was even um, a white lawyer that came on one of her cases that ended up dead because he was trying to help her find a medical examiner to test her shirt at the time of the New Jersey Turnpike shooting of the blood of the officer that they're saying that she killed and she wasn't even the one that shot him. Like she couldn't even have shot him because she was already, um, she had already been shot and on the ground. So they had literally killed this man, um, allegedly from the story. They had killed this man. They had took her paperwork and she, and she literally was fighting an entire case to get her paperwork back. So just to hear about a black woman facing these challenges in America, um, just for wanting to stand up and, you know, support black people and be a part of a revolution that was, you know, funding money back into the black community and things of that nature. It's just hard to hear. And then, you know, to the end, you know, everybody talks about Asada Shakur being in Cuba. Um, she talks a little about bit about her experience of being in Havana, Cuba, and how the racism in Cuba was different than racism in America, the way it was viewed, um, how, you know, blacks and whites and, you know, Cubans had come together to like, you know, fight for revolution and how they live and they coexist at a time where that wasn't really happening too much in America. Um, for her to be able to see that, you know, that was mind blowing for her. And it's, I think it's mind blowing for me to just, 
think about when I think about revolution, I think about, you know, me supporting black people. And sometimes supporting black people means that you support other minorities and you, you know, you collect with them and you you band together with them to fight against imperialism and racism. Um, Mm -hmm. So just reading this book definitely gave me a different perspective on our brothers and sisters of other races that are also fighting um, for freedom and fighting for justice um, and how we can't just take on the fight of our own that we have to take on our fight collectively so that we are you know is more power in numbers and things of that nature um so that's a little brief synopsis of what i got from the book um i definitely think it's an excellent read um but to finish up i do want to read a poem from the book Uh, it's on page 263 um and the poem is called tradition The tradition, carry it on now, carry it on. Carry it on now, carry it on. Carry on the tradition. There were black people since the childhood of time who carried it on. In Ghana and Mali and Timbuktu, we carried it on. Carried on the tradition, we hid in the bush when the slave masters came holding spears. And when the moment was ripe, leaped out and lanced the lifeblood of the would-be masters, we carried it on on slave ships, curling ourselves into oceans, slitting the throats of our captors. We took their ships, we took their whips. Blood flowed in the Atlantic. It wasn't all ours. We carried it on. Fed Missy, arsenic, apple pies, stole the axes from the shed, went and chopped off master's head. We ran, we fought, we organized the rail world in underground. We carried it on. In newspapers, in meetings, in arguments, in street fights, we carried it on. In tales told to children, in chants and cantatas, in poems and blue songs, in saxophone screams, we carried it on. In classrooms, in churches, in courtrooms, in prisons, we carried it on. On soapboxes and picket lines, welfare lines, unemployment lines, our lives on the line, we carried it on. In sit-ins and pray-ins and march-ins and die-ins, we carried it on. On cold Missouri midnights, pitting shotguns against lynch mobs. On burning Brooklyn streets, pitting rocks against rifles, we carried it on. Against water hoses and bulldogs, against nightsticks and bullets, against tanks and tear gas, needles and nooses, bombs and birth control, we carried it on. In Selma and San Juan, Mozambique, Mississippi, in Brazil and in Boston, we carried it on. Through the lies and the sellouts, the mistakes and the madness, through pain and hunger and frustration, we carried it on. Carried on the tradition, carried a strong tradition, carried a proud tradition, carried a black tradition, carry it on. Pass it down to the children, pass it down. Carry it on, carry it on now, carry it on to freedom. All right. Yeah, so if you haven't read this book, definitely tap in. I definitely think it's a great read for black women, black men. Um, it was passed on to me from a black man, so definitely black men can read this. And just, you know, open up your mind about our ancestors and where we come from so that we have the strength and courage to keep going. Mm. That's all. Okay. What about you, Tris? From my media peak. <laughs> from my... Yeah, for my media pick this week, I chose to go with T.S. Madison. She, uh, oh my God, after all this time, she 
has just released a new show on Fox Soul. So for those of you, um, Fox Soul is like a a branch off of Fox and they have like a YouTube um, channel with the tons of different programmings and series and stuff on there. And now T.S. Madison will have a talk show on there and I'm just going to roll the trailer and give you a little taste. On the premiere episode of Turned Out with T.S. Madison on Fox Soul, we're turning it up and I bet you won't want to turn it off. Transgender social media star Cherry the Boom holds nothing back as she weighs in on the trans experience. I'm a woman and I am equal. TV personality and host Claudia Jordan stops by as we get down in the DMs. Oh my God, I've been accused of a lot of things, but licking a booty is not something I've been accused of. Celebrity stylist Ryan Christopher helps me step my fashion game up. You gotta look like where you're going, so we gotta get out of $15 and $20 dresses. Culture queen Miss Sophia brings the heat as we talk the latest and greatest in TV, film, and social media. I went too far to get where I am, just turned into a bulldog. <laughs> Tune in to Turned Out with T.S. Madison every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard, 5 p.m. Central, honey. Don't beat me there. Beat me there. The budget is budgeting. <laughs> yes, I love yes. that for Yes, I'm. I am gonna let Trans finish up, but yes, 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 and it's just so amazing. Like I was just thinking back the other day, um, like when I moved back from New York. Like I don't know, it was honestly just like that whole time, just like 2016. Like while I was in New York, it's just like 2016 and Fort was just some dark times, and like I ended up moving back. Um, to Texas and like I just remember like I feel like Celie uh, I mean not see I feel like Miss Sophia <laughs> when she saw Celie she said I was feeling mighty down I was feeling mighty bad and then I seen your face and I know that there is a God and so yeah I just remember at that time I used to watch T.S. Madison I used to watch her show and just her like literally like sitting in her living room like with just some papers just talking about the media just having her little court docket she went from that she moved down to her basement that lady had a green sheet hanging up from the pipes in her basement but she just kept go each step just one little upgrade here just keep going there like even after the big out with Kaya when it seemed like they were just about to like shoot off into the stratosphere. She was about to sign a deal with Nicki Minaj. Like she had like crazy views. Like every time her show, her and that show with Kaya would drop, like the live view numbers were insane. And like I'll never forget like sitting there waiting for like this huge interview that she was about to do with Monique and the shit hit the fan with Kaya and like it was it was just it was it was not good like you know and I just remember like that being broadcast like this huge collapse like the argument between her and Kaya like T.S. breaking down just trying to hold the show together she worked so hard to put all the shit together everybody's watching and like this like to crash and burn is one thing but to crash and burn in front of everyone you done gotten all this attention and now everyone has turned their eyes just to watch you fail and to go from that and just to keep fucking going 
just to keep fucking going and to think now she has a show where she's been an interview like she, she got Claudia Jordan on there she has other transgender people on there she has fucking she's about to have Lizzo on there um, Nivea oh my god if y'all, do y'all do you know who Nivea is do you listen to Nivea's music don't about? ask with mine have Nivea on there as a guest Nivea just dropped guys I really got into Nivea after watching her on Encore and seeing that interview she did with Candy I did not know that that young lady had been through all of that but yeah and so I just I love to fucking see this for T.S. Madison because like and then another thing is like this you you talk about the budget but this like this is really like a T.S. Madison crafted show that like I'm happy to see that she has like this is a show that she's in control of. She's making the decisions like from the top to the bottom. Like this is her. And it's nice to see somebody have that amount of control on such a big platform and to have so many people willing to work with her because of this brand that she's built. And it's inspiring. I love it for her. I love it for the black community. I just love it. When I was referring to the budget issues, like as someone who did watch the show that she did, was it We TV? The Are you talking show? about the reality show? Yeah. She had, yeah, that was WeTV. So, like, from even from that standpoint, and that was really recently, like, the budget from that to this, you could just definitely tell that the budget is there, and it means that there is someone out there that really believes in her, outside of herself, because she always believed in herself, and she always did well. Right, and that's what I'm saying to, like, but, but this that she has created, that everyone is so in love with, was created at home. Exactly. It was started at home, and to see how she has really built it like built all the letters capital and really built crafted this like and it's like you can tell that she's taking her time and i i really love the fact that it's something that she built at home because you can showcase like you can see through her journey that she was gearing up for this moment right here where she is able to create her own show she's created she's able to say i want this talent she's able to say i want to showcase this on my show because she's been doing this all along at her house right and then we know how the media field is like they are so ready to extract blackness and so like it's always so beautiful when you see someone that does have so much ownership, so much voice over the product. Like Issa, we're fucking insecure. Like we, if Issa's, um, if Issa's show had been filtered through the way a whole bunch of other shit is, it would not have been the show that it was. And so, like, I really hope that this is another major stepping stone for Madison to really get to because this is she talks about all the time how she wants to be just a trans media person like not necessarily reporting on just trans media but just a trans person in media just talking about like her life other people's lives just like bridging different things and so like i really hope this gets her one step closer to where she wants to be and then one thing i do like about maddie is like the content is very 
like it's healthy content like like once she did move away from like the wendy williams and stuff like her content was definitely healthy content like yeah she cracks jokes yeah she talks about shit but for the most part people watch maddie because she provides them with that good feeling like mm-hmm. box rouse these big ass titties that she has and she gets <laughs> in the mood to like want to listen to her talk and she's talking about what's going on in the world she's saying how she really feels about it but it's never from like a condescending shady place it's literally mm-hmm. from like you can tell that it's from a place of love like it's mm-hmm. not i'm not saying this to be shady i'm saying this because this is how the fuck i feel mm-hmm. and i want better for you child that's it child. That's dope. I'm happy for her. I can't wait to tune in. Yes. Girls need something else to watch anyway. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> y'all check it out. I feel like it's only going to get better and better and better as she progresses. Um, and so, yeah. I guess that brings us to the end of the episode, y'all. We are right, I wish y'all could see me. I'm over here shaking my bitties like Madison, but y'all can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all go check out Turned Out with T.S. Madison on Fox Soul. Y'all go check out Asada Shakur's autobiography um, at bookstores everywhere. Y'all go check out the illustration provided by Mr. eBay of that beautiful black fetus in utero. Y'all go check out the interview with Wendy Williams and motherfucking the Grand Dom of all Grand Doms, Whitney Houston, baby. If you want to talk about Grand Doms, we're not going to get into the that. Grand Dom. Okay. Don't right. So, yes, y'all be loved. Y'all stay tuned for next episode. We love y'all. And y'all make sure you good on them goddamn goals, okay? It ain't over till it's over. Stay focused. Yes. Check in with your goals. Stay focused. But until next time, peace.